everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for our 100,000th download special, kind of. Um, And the reason it's a bit special is because a good couple of years ago, almost three years ago, um, one of the first guests that we ever had on the podcast um, that kind of got me mega excited when they said yes they were coming on the podcast, was a gentleman who was responsible for a couple of my favourite games, including Dead of Winter. And it was a gentleman by the name of John Gilmore. So I am delighted to say that on this momentous occasion of lots of people downloading, I don't know if they've listened, they could just be pressing the download button a lot of times, I've not only managed to arrange for John to come back on, but his design partner, his design buddy, the kind of the Starsky to his hutch, the ying to his yang, <laughs> you know, the tar- triceratops to his Tyrannosaurus Rex. I bring you Mr. Brian Lewis. So, <laughs> good evening. And, and they're here to be, they're here to work together. You could almost, they're here to be fresh. They're here to be mint cooperative. It's Brian and John. Hello. 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 <laughs> Thank you we, for having us. No, we're we're. Uh, I'm delighted. I'm kind of excited. I might kind of get a bit fanboy, kind of stupid excited. So I might need to calm down. But you know, you can't, you can't have everything. Um, you've both been on the show before, so you know the kind of nonsense to expect. For but first of all, for people who haven't listened to the show before, the reason that we do this is because um, there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about tabletop. You know, I've searched. There's just not enough. And the second reason that we do this is when you reach uh, the level that we've reached, you might as well just keep on going and you get to the point where you just start asking people that have been on the show before, so it's pretty fantastic. Um, I mean, when when you invited me, I'd never even heard of a podcast before. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm opening. And now look at you. You're kind of live streaming. and you're, A whole you're, new world opened up because of you. You're just a content creator it's <laughs> you've joined the dark side you're kind of like ben kenobi you've kylo rend it <laughs> I, I, I just i dabble in the dark side i i've seen that written on a couple of walls somewhere but i can't tell you which walls there are and i certainly didn't take any <laughs> photographic photographic evidence <laughs> it sounds to me like brian is going to have to be the one that's going to keep us from getting too silly I have are no you problem. willing are you willing to do that, Mr. Lewis? Willing and able. That's... <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it, <laughs> considering the distance, but we're willing to kind we're willing to kind of see. Um, as, as I say, we're, um, we're talking here um, about 
kind of mint cooperative um which you you guys are kind of working together um back to get is it back together along with 524 labs um is this the first time that you guys have cooperated again since the kind of the dinosaur island type days uh, we have a couple other designs that haven't come out yet right okay um, but I think this is the the first thing we made after Dinosaur Island, right? I th- yeah, there was there was one that's in the pipeline, but that uh, that's been around for a while. So this was the first game I think we designed together after the expansion. Mm-hmm. So have you been kind of like staying in constant contact since you know since you started kind of working together, Brian? Have you been you know you've been kind of staying in contact, working with ideas and stuff like that? Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, so both John and I um, work for Pandasaurus Games now, so we're more in contact uh, than before even, um, almost on a daily basis, so... All right. Yeah, it's been it's been good to reconnect us in that way. Um, sometimes it's so hard to have time to design, and then you get an idea, and you're like, hey, I have this idea, what do you think? And mm-hmm. you go from there. Mm-hmm. So, have you both got kind of like the Pandasaurus email addresses then? <laughs> we do. Yes. And we just send messages back and forth using them, so we feel special. <laughs> All I have in my inbox are messages from John. That's it. Do you ever reply yet? Or are the emails kind of like John saying, Why didn't you reply to my previous message? I said I'm an auto reply when he, Brian Eastman emails me, so he thinks I'm paying attention. <laughs> See, I, our- I'm just, I have auto out of office on, so he just gets that message all the time. <laughs> he thinks he's been on holiday since November 2018 right. or something like that. <laughs> right. I was wondering how work was getting done. <laughs> it does, it works best when he's on vacation. I mean, that's how it kind of. <laughs> Right. That's how it kind of works. <laughs> um, let's, I mean, jumping quickly back into kind of like Dinosaur Island. Um, that's proved to continue to be a success. We've got the kind of the Julos, the Julosaur Island kind of two player kind of variant. Are you going to be jumping back into that franchise again? Or is that something you're just like, no, we're cool where we are. We're just going to leave well, it as is kind of thing. I mean, we don't have any official plans that we can announce, but there's, I mean, we've, we've talked about mm-hmm. uh, things with Molly and Nathan and we'll see where they go. Okay. Okay. Have, with you both kind of working alongside Pandasaurus, have you then been working on the kind of the other projects that they've been involved, you know, involved in? I know, John, that you were, in, you know, partly involved in the Dead Man's Cabal that came out kind of recently, but because you guys are all working together, do you, Brian, do you kind of see, do you get to share and see stuff that maybe John's working on on as well, just as kind of a, something like a sounding board to kind of pass kind of ideas? Um, So I just joined Pandasaurus um, last month, so it's been kind of a work in progress with us, right? So um, I'm handling the community aspect, you know, dealing with 
um, customers uh-huh. and backers and, and stuff like that and trade shows. Um, so, but that being said, I did visit John, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, um, and got uh-huh. to play some stuff that was in the pipeline that is actually really exciting. It's some really cool stuff. Um, I'll let John address that more because I don't know what can be said, but, um, I played a couple games that were just so much fun that, uh, I'm really excited for what's coming out from Pandasaurus. It's very unique. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of really cool things coming up, um, and we we announced a couple of them at Gen Con. Um, Brian hasn't gotten to play Godspeed yet, but we just announced mm-hmm. that one. Okay. Um, and Wayfinders. Um, so I came in to the company last year. I don't remember exactly when. I think towards the middle of the year. Yeah. Um, and I'd been doing contract development for them before that. So I'm the, I'm the head of development. I kind of scout all our new games and, you know, make sure we're finding games that really match our brand and that are top notch. And then once I show them to Molly and Nathan and they, um, you know, trying to take care of all the contract stuff, then I do the, uh, the development, put them through mass play testing, um, and, and do that portion. But yeah, we're, we're working on a little bit of a structure where, you know, the whole team, because we're all in different places. Molly and Nathan mm-hmm. are in Texas. Um, the Christian's in New York, I believe. Um, yeah, Brian's in Michigan. I'm in Ohio. So we're going to try to have a couple times a year where we, you know, meet up and get to go over all the games and play them together. Um, because there's just not enough time at conventions to do that. I mean, with you... Um with you working kind of full time development wise with Pandasaurus, is that is that freed up time for you to prioritize and kind of I guess kind of feel a little bit more organized, feel less like you're kind of chasing your tail, or are you are you still having to chase up kind of older pro- projects and things <laughs> like that as well that you're kind of working on? I mean, it definitely hasn't reduced the amount of time that I work in a week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of my the majority of my days sent going over, or spent going over playtesting and working on pushing out new versions of the game. Um, and then kind of, I've been working on my designs after hours because those are kind of like side work again for me. Um, so I definitely wouldn't say that it's freed up time, but it's, it's helped make it a little bit more scheduled. It has taken some pressure off for me, which is nice because I feel less like I have to keep putting games out and rush them to market. I can spend more time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't have to worry about being paid quarterly anymore, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, and doing the budget. And for you, Brian, when I think when we spoke, you were working. You were working for you know a private company, I believe. You were working. You weren't directly in, employed in the kind of the board game industry. I think when we spoke. No, I but- wasn't. That kind of happened. Um, it was serendipitous, I think, um, back in uh, October. I'm sorry, um, June, I mean, I was at Origins, and I had mentioned to Molly and Nathan that I was, you know, really looking to make a transition into the board game industry. Uh, I mentioned that, and then about three or four weeks later, they reached out to me and said, hey, are you interested in doing this? And I said, yeah, and it was just kind of a a, uh, weird, serendipitous moment. Was it strange, though, kind of like, kind of reaching out and kind of like, kind of saying okay would you want to come and kind of work for us I mean how did that how did that kind of feel at the time were you just kind of like I've got a am I dreaming here I've got to pinch myself a little bit here 
with Molly and Nathan, it was, um, it w- it was surprising to me, and it was also very scary because I was <clears throat> I was working for a uh, major co- corporation um, yeah. at the time, you know, and and um, benefits and healthcare and four hundred one k and all those things, and uh, and when you're asked to give that up, <clears throat> you have to really think about it um, because the board game industry is so volatile at times that you never know if something a company's going to be around for the next three or four or five years you know um so you have to kind of look at it in that way and then i think pandasaurus is uh doing so well that i it i i was worried for about half a day i think and then i said to myself you're stupid if you don't jump on this so I did it. I took the leap of faith and um, yeah. probably the best decision I've had, I've done uh, because I would have probably been miserable staying with my old company. And probably, probably second best decision besides designing code or co-designing with me. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean that, well, I mean, that's just a given. <laughs> I, that's, that's, I mean, it's the there. second best because you decided to work with me full time. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Was that I like the Zinger? Did you did you like slam your slam your virtual hand on the virtual desk and say, <laughs> "Look, I'll come and join you, but I want a hundred percent Gilmore attention here. I, I want it for anybody unless I'm proved the. C- I I just you know I want him on tap. I want to know what his email address is, the real one, not the, <laughs> not the fake one that you kind of you you kind of hand out. But I mean, right. Brian, Brian's contract says he'll only work there if I still work there, so I can't quit. You're right. kind of stuck there. It's kind of like a Shawshank Redemption type of deal, <laughs> is that you can you're both I, together kind of forever. Yeah, exactly. Which is fine. Unless one of you decide to dig a tunnel, I don't. I don't know how that's kind of kind of how that's kind of going to work. But I mean, John, you've been kind of doing the freelance stuff, kind of on and on. So, did you help? Have you did you help kind of settle Brian's mind over the decision as well? Because I mean, there's always the kind of the pause, even if you're in the job, and it's different over in the UK because you know we believe people having access to healthcare. Um, <laughs> you know, in the States, I can understand the whole thing about, you know, having to ask the question where it is a case of if I don't have decent healthcare, regardless of what the job is, it's not actually worthwhile me considering kind of moving. With you being on a freelance kind of basis, did, were you able to kind of reassure Brian and say, actually, you know, this is this is what I've been doing for X, X number of years now and everything will be everything will be fine and all right and things like that? I mean, I wish I could have, but no. <laughs> um, I mean, that's still one of the big struggles over here is, um, you know, small companies a lot of times don't have, uh, you know, health insurance. And as a freelancer, we certainly didn't have it. So, mm. um, you know, Nathan Molly are trying to get things figured out because before, uh, before I came on board, it was just them. Yeah, and then you know I started working with them, and Hunter started working with them, and even then it was just four people. So you know it's it's been a lot of it uh, trying to grow and you know them figure things out. In terms of the Pandasaurus kind of brand, it seems to have um, it seems to have really solidified itself as one of the kind of the the bigger players 
out there and not just because, you know, the successful Kickstarters that it has, it's also the kind of the regular kind of published um, kind of titles that it self-publishes. Um, do you think that's the kind of the secret to kind of success? Do you think that's one of the things that game game companies can't always rely on pick Kickstarter and they need to be kind of looking at putting the product out there through normal kind of distribution methods? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Molly and Nathan have a great, uh, they both have an excellent head for business, and they have, they've always had a good vision for the company. And I think it was probably three years ago at Gen Con, we had like a big group dinner with all their designers and people mm-hmm. they worked with. And they kind of asked the question, like, what is the one thing that we need to improve on the most? And, you know, I told them that I felt like the development was the most important thing. Like, we had to make sure that, you know, as a company, there weren't any missteps and there weren't any, you know, games coming out that weren't top notch. So I think that's really where kind of most of our focus has been going is, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, in case there is a market shrinkage or, you know, we don't, we don't think it's going to be a bubble like some people are worried about. Hmm. But, you know, if, uh, you know, if we do have that shrinkage, just making sure that, you know, we have a, you know, we're known quantity and people can you know if they buy one of our games that they're going to be held up to a certain standard. Has um, has games like The Mind, do you think that's helped as well, that you've ended up with a game that's become like a core I a think core offering, you know? I <clears throat> Most definitely. I mean, so you know, it, it that whole thing started with uh, the game and it did so well, you know, when you have that type of partnership with another publisher, um, NSV, uh, that um, they're going to continue to uh, offer their games to us first uh, because they that we've sold them well and, and we've had that those basically evergreen titles. You know, you've got the game, you've got the mind, mm-hmm. um, you've got upcoming uh, silver and gold I think is going to be huge. Uh, Illusion mm-hmm. has done really well. So all those card games have done really well, and having those um, games where they sell consistently to the the local game stores because they're so inexpensive, they'll order six of them, um, yeah. and to have those sales every day and, and fostering those relationships is really what I think has distinguished Pandasaurus from other publishers. Um, Pandasaurus has this continuing catalog of what you might, I guess, call evergreen titles. And that's what's super important to the growth of the business is to have those evergreen titles, but then introducing new titles in addition to Kickstarter, because like you said, you can't just rely on Kickstarter to fund your business. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's allowed with having that kind of foundation there to kind of look at slightly more risky, maybe slightly less what you would say commercial type games. I mean, I'm looking at, say, for instance, Mental Blocks. Now, that to me, it looks a bit kind of left of field. It's not something that I would expect maybe to see kind of on Kickstarter, but I I guess we're having the the kind of the foundation of everything else kind of doing so well. Do you think that's allowed you to kind of look further afield and bring in kind of more slightly unusual um, 
slightly more unusual ideas and unusual games into the Pandasaurus fold? Um, yeah, if I may, I think that uh, it it does to some extent, but that really um, we've kind of spent a lot of time internally discussing um, what our three kind of channels of games are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that narrowing that down and really figuring out, you know, what, what we want out of a game and where it fits in our lineup, but metal blocks actually kind of fits in one of our lines that we focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of, um, the first one is small bots, card games, like 90 to 120 cards with really strong mechanical hooks. So, mm-hmm. you know, the mind illusion, um, the game, things like that. And then the next one is midweight euros with strong themes um, and theme and uh, mechanical ties. So, uh, Dead Man's Cabal, Dinosaur Island, Wasteland Express. Um, and then the third channel, and this is the one that I get the most excited about, um, is unique experiences. So, yeah. probably probably our first one for that was Nyctophobia. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of where we test the grounds, you know, with you know, finding a game that was just something that didn't exist on the market and gave players, you know, an entirely different experience that they couldn't get someplace else. So, you know, that's one of the things that we're looking for. And, you know, a couple of the games that Brian was talking about playing the other week when he was here that he's really excited about are titles in that area. Because we have, we have some things coming out that are just so different and so unique that, um, like even as prototypes, I can't stop playing them. Like I'll bring them to game day, and I never play prototypes at our game days. <laughs> but I guess it must. You can't. You've got to keep the excitement up, haven't you? I mean, it's not a case mm-hmm. you can't. You can't just keep kind of. You end up getting tired if, if a company just continues in the same direction, and just produces X number of game with a slightly different skin on it. And I think what's interesting about yeah. the. I think what's interesting about the board game space is that it it has a it has the potential to go horrifically like that way, like the video game market has, in that all the major studios just seem to pour out the same game again and again and again, with an occasional bit of difference which gets, you know, lauded as the next greatest big best thing, whereas you've got indies try kind of different things kind of kind of all the time. But mm-hmm. um I'm kind of it's looking at the kind of the Pandasaurus range and there is something, it looks like there's currently kind of something for everyone and there's this matchy Coral Legacy mm-hmm. kind of game as well. Have you, either of you been in, have either of you had any kind of involvement in that or is that is that something that you're not connected with? Um, I didn't, that was one of the last ones that came through before I took over all the development. Okay. Um, so J.R. Honeycutt and Rob Dabio did all the you know design and yeah, development yeah. and play testing on that one. Cool. I'm kind of excited to see what they can do with Machikoro because it's one of these, I think it's a very Marmite type game. People either love it to bits mm. or they just they, they don't like it. They're not they're not too fussed on kind of on getting it. I think I think they they definitely took a lot of steps to address some of those things. So I think the people who are on the fence about it or, you know, don't love it should definitely give it another look. So you've had, have you had a, have you had a chance to play it then? Is that what you're saying? Have you had a chance to have a quick run? I have. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a a release at Gen Con this year. So there are copies in the wild. So there are people playing it, but the, uh, I think the release date is September 4th. 
Yeah. 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 I'll be interested. I'm interested to see what the kind of the, what the wider kind of gaming media think about it. I'm just interested to see what it'll, what it'll be playing, playing like as well. Um, mm. I'm still, I'm still thinking legacy games are, uh, are an avenue which have been kind of very, very well explored, but not a hundred percent really hit their stride. You know, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, even, um, Something like Charterstone, I've seen people kind of have mixed feelings over Charterstone. Um, were completely enthralled with it, and then over a period of time, kind of, kind of stepped away from it, which was just a you know. I'm interested to see where the kind of legacy type of thing kind of goes. How did you get involved with um, Five Twenty Four Labs? Then, I mean, how did that? How did that kind of come around? Well. I'd be curious to see what John remembers. This is what I remember. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I remember I was down working with John on Well, we could do it like a projects. Mr. and Mrs. type of thing. <laughs> 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 you know, if if John, if you want to cover your ears just now, and then what happens, Brian, if you tell your side of the story, and then we'll uh, get John, John to I'll tell come, his I'll come side back of the in story. And tell mine. Right. Which is kind of like the dating game where we set some off, he'll get those headphones on and he'll come exactly. back. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a chance to win a microwave. Right. I was, I remember talking to John and I said, um, I said, do you know Justin um, from 524 Labs? And because John knows so many people. Mm-hmm. And I said, and he said, no, I, he said, I don't. I said, well, we should reach out to them about working on a game for them because they had just finished their Kickstarter for Mint uh, Delivery. Um, yes. And it had done about, I think, like 170,000, 160, 170,000, like 18,000 units or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, no, but let me reach out to him right now. So he just went on the computer, sent an email to Justin, and Justin responded within like 10 minutes. And um, mm-hmm. he said, well, what's your, you know, what's your, hook or pitch and and we said we're interested in designing a um, cooperative game that that fits in this the mint uh tin and he said i'd love to see it and that's kind of how it got started yeah i think the, uh, the only difference is that i think i asked them what type of game they hadn't been able to do yet right and they're like well we wanted to do a co-op game but we haven't figured it out yet and i was like well that's great we'll we'll t- try our hands at that so did you did you sit down then and did you sit did you sit down all together with Justin and decide what direction you're going in or did you just reach in did you both reach in into the notebooks of game ideas and went oh I've yeah. definitely got a, I've got a mint 10 game think, right here let me just check page 37 Well you know what's what's so funny is that when I was I was there visiting John working together and he responded we're like well let's go work on it right now so we literally wow. went into the next office and got one of the mint um tins and said like well let's see what components fit in here and that was kind of mm-hmm. our guideline as to what can we use what can we use what can we maybe make new or add um and so one of the original ideas that we came up with was using the mints as flying saucers. Oh, um, right, okay. And that the original theme of the game, I think I, I wanted to call it mint attacks or something like that. And it was a homage to like fifties 
alien right, invasion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah um and yeah. that the uh and that the uh little uh discs were flying saucers and you had to keep them from invading the cities. Yeah, and the I mean the core gameplays really stayed really close to that. They uh they didn't love that theme, so they, they rethemed it to superheroes, but I mean everything stuck really well, which was nice and it transitioned well. Is it is it more fun to kind of be working in a kind of restricted space then, Brian? Was it more of a challenge for to say, right, you're going to only have 16 cards at maximum, you're only going to be allowed to have 25 pieces kind of thing, and you've got to go ahead and you've got to create something. Yeah, I think that's always, to me, seems like on a case-by-case basis. In this particular uh, case, Hmm. it was very, um, I don't know, it, it was, it was, it really got my creative juices flowing uh, and um, I really enjoyed that aspect of trying to make something fit with what we had. I liked that. Mm-hmm. I don't always like that, but for this particular uh, project, it, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, restrictions in design and I, I always try to start all of my designs with putting restrictions on myself. So it worked well for me. And what's I mean for people who are sitting there going well what's what's it about I mean is it is it a worker placement style game is it a I mean what would you what would you say for people kind of at, and what and what's the kind of the main mechanics kind of John? Um, so in the game, uh, you are superheroes trying to save Mint City. Is that what it's called, Brian? Mint Mintopia. City, Mintopia. Mintopia. That's right. <laughs> Um, but kind of the core mechanics are a dice drafting, um, right. action selection. So, right. Um, I'll Brian talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. So, uh, there are four dice in the game and you roll the dice and based on the numbers there, there are actions that you can take, uh, based on, um, either your hero ability, which has a special action or a set of, or mm. a set of actions. So All right, it's okay. very simple, um, but elegant in my opinion. Um, the one thing we had to kind of figure out was, well, you know, it's kind of boring to just roll dice, to take actions. How do you make it more exciting or make it so that the game progresses in, in this cooperative style? Um, the, mm-hmm. And the thing that we came yeah. up with was as we're playing with four dice, you know, obviously as you're rolling the dice, you see that, oh, you tend to have doubles and sometimes triples um, when you're rolling the dice. So yeah. The, when you roll doubles, it triggers a trouble phase in the game, which you really you reveal cards and um, you will the villains will be placing mints um, in the uh, cities to overtake them. So, uh, and then if you roll triples, even more bad stuff happens. And based on the villains in the game. Um, doubles and triples will do different things in the game. So it all plays a little bit different depending on which villain you're deciding to uh, choose to play with. Did you... Um, is it quite a long game? No. Then? I mean, what's the kind actually, of, the, what's kind of maximum, game Actually, I'd say max is probably 30 minutes. Most people will probably pay in 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and that was one of the things that we were, when we were working on, it's like, how do we get this game to play? Cause obviously it's a portable game, but you don't want this $15 mm-hmm. or $10 game or whatever the 
cost is going to be to last an hour. That's mm-hmm. just not fun. You know, you want something portable, you want something, and you want, and one of our main design goals was to create something that was, uh, on, on a, on a, a beginner slash introductory level to the game. So mm-hmm. if you've never played a co-op game before, this is on the easier side. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause the rule pay, I think the rule book is two pages, um, or two sides of a, of a sheet. So the, there aren't super complicated rules. Uh, but the, dis- but you still have choices and decisions to make, which impact gameplay. Did you, um, look at kind of having more complicated rules in it as well for people if they wanted to? Um, as it, as it got a bit of flexibility. Well, I with think that. where the complication comes in is with the villains in the game, um, and, and their triggered abilities. Mm-hmm. So there aren't, there are some additional little, little mechanics, but nothing that's so, that requires an entire page of, of directions. It might, you know, it's something as simple as saying, okay, the red discs that are in the game, they now do this instead of the traditional. Mm-hmm in the way you play. So you you can get different plays and different levels of difficulty based on the villain that you're trying to defeat. And we, we really aimed at making the game have um, a decent amount of depth of strategy without making it overly complex because I mean, we'll yeah. feel that's a thing that a lot of designers uh, conflate and they mix, they mix the two up. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, even though it's a, you know, kind of more entry level game, you know, just kind of like, um, you know, Dinosaur Island and some of my other designs, even Dead of Winter, like, it's a pretty easy game to teach, but there's a decent amount of strategy involved in getting better at it. Yeah, I think it's important for people to actually be able to get a game and start playing relatively quickly mm-hmm. and then learn the complexity kind of as it goes. I mean, the thing I, the thing I liked about Dinosaur Island was it was it was like kind of like there was four almost separate parts to it Mm -hmm. and that kind of broke it down that you could learn the rules kind of like you could learn the rules kind of easier that way and then bringing them together and how they interacted across each other down the line that's what kind of brought in the complexity to it and almost the mastery to the game kind of kind of going on um has it has it encouraged you to look at you know, it sounds like you both had fun kind of creating this, but has it encouraged you to maybe look at other kind of games with this kind of like this kind of size, these kind of restrictions in it? I mean, you're thinking about a series, I guess, is what I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, I uh, I, th- I think that I mean that'll entirely be up to them. They'll probably want to see how this game performs, and you know, when mm. this is the first time they've worked with another designer, uh, Justin's designed. Oh, I think Justin and Mel maybe were the designers on all the other stuff. Right. Um, yes. So this was kind of an experiment for them and the whole company because, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, running a publisher and trying to design your own stuff is even more work. So um, we'll see if they come back to us and say, hey, you know, we're happy with it. And do y'all want to make something else? I'll be happy to. You know, as long as Brian's on board. Yeah, definitely. Um. In terms of the Kickstarter, have you, do, you, do you know kind of any ideas of kind of like the costings or anything like that? What the price of entry is going to be? Do you know anything along I, those lines in terms of figures? I think, um, I don't now, of course, <clears throat> uh, don't quote me, but I believe that the entry 
price point will be ten dollars plus shipping. So uh, like their other um, uh, other Kickstarters, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be based on I think uh, final um, pricing from the factories on the you know, mm-hmm. cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got the um, this ongoing kind of tariff thing, which is. <laughs> um, kind of made things a little bit less kind of um, I guess uh, it's put it a little bit kind of fuzzy and a bit hazy about kind of potential costs kind of going kind of going forward um, are we going to see more designs coming from you guys I mean obviously this one's going to be coming out on the 9th of September I mean that's what um, that's what um, I was speaking to Rachel um, at 524 and that's what she said that the that's where the that's when the kind of the launch date is going to be. Is there other games that you two are just going to be working on that you've been kind of looking at, which is going to be solely you two together, kind of going forward? Is there anything you've got kind of in the in the pipeline coming out over the next couple of months at all? Um, I don't know about the couple of months, but I mean, one of our goals with Brian being, uh, you know, full time in the industry now is that we can make more time to work on a few more projects together. And I, I enjoy designing with them, so hopefully yeah. we will. There are. Is there anything you'd like to work together on? Um, I mean, I, I guess this is a time for both of you to either confess <laughs> and say, actually, you know, John, I, you know, if we could do some kind of big worker placement game, that would be peachy. And then John says, I'd like to do a follow up to Wasteland Express Delivery Service, but um, let's bring some dinosaurs in it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Dinosaur <laughs> Express kind of Delivery Service, right? Done. I think uh, you know. For me, it's always um, always the best ideas seem to happen organically. So, <clears throat> what it comes down to is like you know having an idea, and then I, I will you know contact John and say, "What do you think about this?" Um, because I typically, mm-hmm. honestly, don't love designing by myself. I love the feedback of other designers or other people as I'm working on something. And so, um, I, I don't work a lot solo. Um, I almost, everything is working with someone else. I just, some people like it. Some people don't. I tend to love the instant feedback from a, 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 Mm. a a, a co-designer and that's so, you know, and then you're talking about, we're getting our schedules to work together, which is not always easy as well. John is uh, super busy and travels a lot for the company. So I think in the next two months, he's gone six or seven of the weekends. Um, yeah, I think I have six more conventions in the next seven weeks. Are you Are you going to ASN then, John? I will not be at ASN, unfortunately. I will be at ASN, okay. though. Okay. Nobody asked you, Brian. Are Nobody you? asked you. You just yeah. mind your own business. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I couldn't. I couldn't hear you, Brian. Did you say you're going to Essen? I am going to Essen. I just got my he's, passport oh, yesterday. John. Actually, he's he's very proud that he'll he'll make it before Essen before I do. <laughs> and you're not going to Essen, John. I am not. I have to go to a real work convention. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> That shot's fired. I don't need to go on My fun, word. fun trips. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if I should get you some gin for that bitter lemon <laughs> you've got there, Joe. 
But I, I will say, Brian and I have talked about a really fun RPG idea. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So we'll see if we work on that one soon. Depends on how much more he rubs Essen in my face. <laughs> I, okay, I, I... Well, I mean, I think... I was going to say, that's the title for the show. Depends how much he rubs Essen in my face. <laughs> now, uh, that's a podcast title. I would listen to. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, I, the RPG idea we have is, in my opinion, just like so brilliant. But uh, mm. it's uh, it's one of those... Maybe it's really maybe it's a really good idea in your head, but maybe it's not good on paper. <laughs> It'll be good on paper. Okay. I, I, I don't know. You never know about these things. I mean, I mean, you did. Um, you were involved in kids on bikes, John, weren't you? I was. Yeah. Um, were you surprised at how kind of well that was received, or did you kind of like secretly know? <coughs> yeah, this. No, here we go. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm kind of talking about because I have always associated you with things like, you know, you know, Dead of Winter, Dinosaur Island, you know, the Atari stuff that you did as well. And then when you said you were getting involved in an RPG, I was kind of like, how can an RPG be John Gilmore? <laughs> if you know, if you know what I mean. Well, so I mean, when even on Dead of Winter, I I've always played RPGs since I was a teenager. So, mm-hmm. um, when I was working on Dead of Winter, I tried to bring a lot of my love of RPGs into that game. Um, but it, well, I mean, this was a big, scary endeavor because I've never designed an RPG before. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't really put my, uh, you know, put my dues in in the industry. So, I, I was definitely skeptical when Doug and I first uh, started working on it. We were going to just uh, kickstart mm-hmm. it ourselves. And, you know, we, we were like, well, if we make like, you know, 10 grand and print, you know, like a thousand copies of this, we'll be real happy. And then mm-hmm. um, I just happened to run into Ivan Van Norman, who runs Hunter Books and, you know, does a lot of stuff with Geek and Sundry um, at Gen Con, probably about four weeks before we were going to kickstart it because we wanted to run it over Halloween. And, um, you know, I showed him it on my phone because he asked me what I was working on. And he's like, I'm on my way to a meeting right now, but don't show this to anybody else. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he went to his meeting and then got a hold of me. And he's like, listen, you know, I'd really like to publish this. This idea sounds great. Yeah, you because know, I I'd showed yeah. him, like, some of the basic concepts that we were playing with. Um, and then they picked it up. And then the Kickstarter did really well for an RPG. And then... Um, you know, they linked up with Renegade, and since then, uh, it's it's been great. Um, it's really performed well. It just won an Emmy at uh, Gen Con. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we just launched uh, Teens in Space, which is kind of our follow-up game. Yeah. I mean, did you expect this to kind of happen? Did you expect to be going down the RPG route yourself? I mean, did this come along as a bit of a surprise it, of how well it's kind of been received? It definitely came as a surprise. We really thought it was just going to be like a small little labor of love project and like maybe a couple mm. hundred people mm. would play it. So, uh, super surprised. But, I mean, I I am always the biggest critic and biggest doubter of my own work. So, I mean, even with Dead of Winter, I, I, I don't think any of my games... <laughs> we're going to be well received. So I'm always very surprised by them. 
I think by now you've got to be a little bit that you know I'm a little bit good at this. Yeah, you'd think you'd think so, but I'm not. I'm I'm very. <laughs> uh, I'd like to tell people that imposter syndrome goes away, but I don't think it ever does. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I kind of get. I still get that. I think I, I kind of met the people from uh, No Plan Included over the weekend there, and I was kind of like, part of me was just like, yeah. I'm just sitting here with the no pun included folk. <laughs> and then part of me just like kind of went, I've got to stand up and walk away because I feel like I shouldn't be sitting here kind of thing, which was kind of weird because they're just people. They're just like, they're normal kind of everyday people and you just had a chat with them. But you kind of sometimes get that kind of like, mm, do I deserve this place at the table or am I just keeping it, keep, keeping the seat warm for somebody kind of more deserving, mm-hmm. which I kind of completely kind of, I think everybody kind of gets, I think everybody kind of gets that regardless of even how successful I guess Brian must even be thinking that kind of taking his first steps and being kind of like full time kind of in in the industry, I mean obviously when you go into Essen you're not just going to be going there as a guest you're going to be, you know, as as work you're going to be going there as a recognised designer of a very successful kind of board game, I mean have you even thought about that side of things or am I just going to It's still very bizarre to me at times when I'm at a convention and someone comes up to me and says, Oh, I love dinosaur Island. And it's like one of my favorite games or, you know, something like that. It's, it still blows my mind because to me, I, I just feel like a regular guy who got lucky, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and when people, when I was at Gen Con, I had this girl just tell me, it was her absolute most favorite game ever. And she asked if she could get a hug and she asked if she could take a picture with me. And I'm sitting there going, who am I? I'm just some, some, <laughs> some guy who, 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 who designed a dinosaur game. Uh, and this person it's impacted their life, you know, to, to give them joy or fun or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's, it's really satisfying. That was a really humbling moment, but it was also very surreal because I, again, like I said, I just kind of sit there and go, I'm no one special. <laughs> I'm right. just the, a guy. But I kind of like that about the community though. I kind of still like that about the kind of the board game community that you can bump into various different people. And there's not, we've not reached the point where there's the kind of the PR person with a clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> kind of stepping in between you. I mean, you could walk up to like you know Isaac Childress at Gen Con, or you could see if you saw Eric Lang, or you know if I, you know if I saw John at a, <laughs> a convention, you'd probably be able to walk up to him, and there wouldn't be somebody standing in front with a clipboard going, "And who are you? And do you have an appointment?" You, you know, you just be able to kind of approach them, and you know that's what I still like about the. Um, that's what I still like about the hobby is that you still get all these stories of people coming back from places like Gen Con and Origins and saying, look who I got my picture with, look who I got to sign this, look who I got to sign that. And I think that's just what's wonderful about the board game kind of its community. It's still very kind of, it's still very people focused and people getting involved and people able to meet the designers and the developers and the the illustrators and things like that. And there's not this kind of wall of somebody trying to hold the two people back, which I think is still kind of, um, kind of pretty cool. Um, have you been to Germany before, Brian? I have not. I've been out, I've been out of the U S um, overseas because I've been to Canada, but I've been out yeah. over once. And that was, 
Uh, I was in grad school. I was in a choir that sang. Uh, we went to Russia. So I was in uh, Russia wow. with a stopover in uh, Prague, but um, not, I have not been to Germany. You're quite excited about going. I am, but I'm also scared. I'm a, I've, I've let it be known that I'm kind of a scaredy cat when it comes to travel just because I feel like I'm so insulated here in the U.S. Like, you know, I only, I, I only speak English. And so going over to Germany, I, I'm, I'm a little scared. <laughs> uh, you're also not a fan of different My, foods. Um, you're not very adventurous when it comes to oh, what? cuisine. <laughs> What are you talking about? I love all the different kinds of queens. Uh, I, I, th- I thought you were the one that's always picky at conventions. No, I, well, I mean, picky about. Um, I don't want to order like unknown food. I want someone to have a an opinion as like, oh yes, go to this restaurant. Uh, it's all really right. good because I don't want to spend money on a bad meal. I'm cheap. <laughs> Nobody. I definitely said no. It'll be fine. My brother used to stay in Germany. And what he used to find about, he says, whenever, no matter where he was in Germany, if if you were speaking to like a German local person and they discovered that you, all you could speak was English, they used to speak English at him. In fact, he found it almost impossible to learn any of the German language because any time they discovered he was Scottish, they kept, you know, they said, well, I, I'm going to speak English to you so I can practice. Oh, wow. So, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, so I don't think, I don't think, uh, I think you're going to find it's going to be, I think you're going to find it's going to be, it's going to be fun and it's going to be an experience. And I've heard it's very much a kind of a, it can be quite um, busy, but not that sense, just the sheer volume of games that are kind of released in that place as well. But I mean, you'll have, you'll be, you'll be fine, Brian. You'll have so many people probably walking up to you with little pads of paper (laughs) and saying, can you, can you sign my, can you say my oh, I, I also feel like Brian doesn't like beers, so that's he's oh, really going to miss out a big part I, of it. This is true. I don't like beer. <laughs> I'm a hard liquor kind. Of, really I'm a hard it? liquor kind of guy. John, bitter little puppy Gilmore. <laughs> the boy's about to have an experience of a lifetime. <laughs> he's, he's, please, can you please can you step off the porch <laughs> and sit back down in your chair and be happy? <laughs> For your new colleague <laughs> and your friend. He's not going to like it. You know. He's, he's, I he's love gonna, Bratwurst. It's going to be that? fine. You do love Bratwurst. Yeah. Schnapps. You can just drink a lot of schnapps over there. Oh, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bratwurst is one of these things that probably only exists outside of Germany and doesn't actually exist <laughs> right. in Germany. So Octo- and if you went so into... So Oktoberfest is a sham, sh- is that... Oh, no. They have, they have other words. I'm just... Oh, okay. It's not even in, yeah, I mean, you know, Black Forest Gato is a flan. You can look it up. It's not a big cake full right. of chocolate and cherries. It's actually okay. a flan. Ooh. So it's just that the whole thing is an absolute, is and, an absolute and, what, and what's it called again? Um, <clears throat> Black Forest okay. Gato. I will look at that. There you go. You have a look at that. You have an absolute, you have absolute fun. You have an absolutely fantastic time. And don't let certain grumpy bears <laughs> can they put you down either. John G, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know. Um, now I am trying to convince him to send me to UK Games. That's fun. That's cheater. Oh, I think I'm going to oh, that really? one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into a proper kind of argument in a kind of a married couple kind of you know 
kind of, well, you went out with your friends last <laughs> week. Well, I'm going out with my friends this week. Well, you said you were going bowling. Well, I'm not going bowling. I'm going bowling in two weeks' time. <laughs> I, I, I need thing. to make it over there some point to scout for games for us. So, and it's on tread market. You do. If you, you, I'll let you go to the UK if, if, if someone sends me to Australia. That's fine. You can go to Patch Australia. You can do whatever you want in Australia. I would love to visit the Sydney Opera House. Well, there you go. Yep. I, feel, I feel like this is a good agreement. I think this is like just, I'm glad that we've worked through these <laughs> issues. And I think that we're coming out on the other side as colleagues who are willing to listen to each other cooperate with each other and yeah. work together to see a brighter and more wonderful kind of future. Um, you know, but if you were together, I'd be grabbing both of your ears and telling you to sort yourselves <laughs> out. But, you know, that's beside the point. Um, in terms <laughs> in terms of Mint Cooperative, look, I, I, can only miss, I can only wish you the very best of luck. It's coming to Kickstarter. Um, it's no doubt going to do kind of very, very well. And as normal, what we will do is we will make sure that we will put a link to the campaign in our show notes. Um, oh, if so people want to keep an eye on you guys anytime, you know, you're, you're my first and you were my <laughs> best, John. Um, if people do want to keep an eye on you, where do you exist on the internet webs? Mr. Lewis, where can we find you? Um, so on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Lewis Games. Mm-hmm. And John. And- where can we find you? Can you can find me on Twitter at John Gilmore, J-O-N-G-I-L-M-O-U-R, or mm-hmm. on Facebook or BGG. I think BGG, I'm Jay Gilmore, maybe. There you go. And um, if you want to learn more about the game, you can find a little bit on, I think it's 524, it's 5, F-I-V-E, 24 is the numbers, labs.com. And there is a little bit about Mint Cooperative on their page. It's actually got its own little, um, it's got its own little website, mintcooperative.com. And it's got smiley little faces of both of you. It does. <laughs> it's fun. It's fantastic. We do like <laughs> it. Um, excellent. Um, brilliant. And we'll, as I say, when the, when it goes live, we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, Thank you very, very much for coming on, gentlemen. Thank you for having it's us. Been, it's been good to speak to you, and I'm glad you kind of worked through your little differences <laughs> yet, maybe. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the internet, search for We Are Not Wizards, and you'll find us. If you want to if you want to see what we've done, we're on Instagram and YouTube. Just search for We Are Not Wizards. If you want to listen to us, then check out all the podcast catchers, the ones with pod, the ones with cast, and the ones that don't have anything. If you want to keep, um, read or listen or kind of look at our nonsense, we've got our blog, which is we're not wizards.blogspot.com. We've got our website, which is we're not wizards.com. We've got our, we've got our Twitter which is at wearenotwizards.com. You can find us in all these different worn-out places and worn-out faces. Um, if you like what you've listened to, tell somebody about us, because that's how we spread, and that's how we got to 100,000 downloads. Aren't we silly? Well, we're not silly, 
because we didn't have to repeatedly listen to us. <laughs> that's you. Um, but the other thing you can do is you can jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a rating or a review. If you are going to be dropping us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. And as you can think at the moment, I am very, very pleased with myself indeed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. But at the moment, it doesn't matter what stars you gave us because I'd be smiling anyway. But try to give us something in the middle, like a five. Because it's average. <laughs> Just a little bit average. But the gentlemen who have not been average tonight, I've got the wonderful, fantastic Mr. Brian Lewis. Thank you very much for coming Thank on. Thank you so Brian. much for having me. And I've got, I, I mean, it's John Gilmore. I mean, how else? Do you, it's just John Gilmore. Goodness sake, John Gilmore. You know what I mean? Thank you very much for coming it's on. It's my John. pleasure as always. And um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? No, we're not. No. Of course we're not. Of course we're not. Uh, Don't ruin it at the end, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And finally, it's a goodbye from Brian. Say goodbye, Brian. Goodbye, Brian. It's a goodbye from John. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye, Brian. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful. And if you see Brian and Essen, take a picture. Send it to John. But until the next time, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.